0: 31st of March, 2022. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You are listening to the Faith Radio Network. Uh, If you haven't visited us online at myfaithradio.com, let me encourage you to do so today because today is the last day that you can sign up for our Simple Path to Following Jesus giveaway. We're giving away a 100 copies of Rusty George's really good book. It's about What it means to be a Christian. It can help you discover how to more effectively share your faith with others. It's also sort of a great Christianity 101. If you've got a new believer in your life, a simple path to following Jesus. We're giving away 100 copies, but today's the last day to register for that drawing. So go ahead and do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Today's also the last day to um, gain access to the virtual access package from the Set Apart Conference. So you can also do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Dot com number of other opportunities available for you there today as well. really encourage you to sign up for our reading the Bible together um, uh, for for Holy Week. So what we're going to do, you're going to sign up and we're going to send you a free um, study guide that you can follow along with us. There's also a prayer guide as well. We're going to send you both of those, which is why we need you to go ahead and sign up early so we can get those in the mail. Um, again, sign up for those free resources, reading the Bible together during Holy Week, and you do all of that at MyFaithRadio.com. Hey, for those of you listening in Hartford, Connecticut this morning, um, you know, pay attention. Hello, hello, good morning, Hartford, or afternoon or evening. Um, does somebody listening right now know Kathleen catiford Do you know her? Does that name ring a bell? Kathleen catiford is 77 years old. So first of all, hats off to her that she is still serving as a nurse in the Hartford public school system. But she has been suspended from her job. So if you know Kathleen Cataford, I want you to reach out to me um, at, uh, on the text line, 877-933-2484, because I'd love to connect with her personally. Um, Kathleen has been suspended by the Hartford Public Schools because she posted a comment on her Facebook page um, basically outing the school system for uh, hiding um, information related to drugs that they are giving to students without the knowledge of their parents. Mm -hmm. Students who, um, identify as non-binary and keeping those things a secret from their parents. So, um, yeah, she, um, she raised concerns about that on her own personal Facebook page and, um, and she has been, uh, not only condemned by the superintendent of the public schools in Hartford, Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez, but um, she has been suspended pending an investigation into the school by the school district into her Facebook comments. So if you know Kathleen Catterford, um I'd love to know her as well. Um, and if you don't, let's let's be praying for her because. Um, yeah, her her life just got immensely more complicated, but she did the right thing. And, um, you know, maybe she didn't do it in quite the right way but uh, let's be lifting her up. Uh, meanwhile, Disney has done away with ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls in all of their park greetings, and they're being challenged over their use of so called gendered terms in their marketing platforms, um, things like Prince and Princess, which it's really actually hard to imagine the entire Disney franchise without princesses i i I mean there's a Cinderella castle like at the middle of the whole thing, so. Um, that's interesting. Um, and there are, um, some conversations about the fact that Disney, uh, on their website still, you know, s- sells branded clothing items as designed for men or women or boys or girls. Like that's actually how you order things. So all of those things are going on in the conversations of the day. And you're saying to yourselves, I suspect you can see my eyes rolling related to some of this. Um, you're saying, okay, ha- have our conversations actually come to this? Yes. And here to clear it all up next, Dr. Peter Kapsner. We'll be right back. Doctor Peter Kapchner is back. So um Peter we have talked with Ben Johnson this morning and he used at least four words that I had to look up. They are bigger words than I normally <laughs> use and so you are not allowed to use any big words.
1: That's what, well, and even based on on your teaser before the break there. You you overpromised <laughs> and I'm happy to underdeliver at this point. So no no worries about that.
0: Uh could you just Clear up all of the cultural confusion uh, of the day. Gosh, a, right? Yeah. Jesus is Lord. That's, yeah, uh, that's the way I'm going to clear that, it up. I'm that just, is a very is helpful starting
1: point. Yeah, that's a very helpful starting point. I think, you know, we just did a talk in my sexuality class, and I find it so helpful, even for me, as I'm going through it, when you you go decade by decade and you say, so here are the, the sexual evolutions or... Some of the changes that happened in the 60s and then those changes led to what happened in the 70s, which then led to the 80s. Which, and, and you see this whole thing building on top of one another and, and the gender blurring that's going on is unfortunately a logical extension of what has been going on for about 60 years. And I think that's why it's so tough to clear up is that once you open up the, the box of the conversation a little bit, you start seeing that it's the tip of the iceberg and you think, oh, gosh, the infrastructure on which... Gender blurring is standing in terms of, of the infrastructure of sexuality that's been developed these last six years. That's so different than the historical norms of nuclear family and all of that. It just begins to be this massive conversation. And I think people understandably just want to tap out. They say there's just too much. But if we tap out, then we're just going to keep going to the next logical extension on it.
0: Is tap out like some sort of wrestling
1: term? Wrestling <laughs> well, reference. Well, I'm trying to use Sometimes more. Sometimes
0: you have to make the ref like actually make the reference explicit because yeah. not everybody knows well, what this tapping is, out is. Yeah, means.
1: like when Paul Perot puts me in a sleeper hold here in studio, yeah. and and it's it's quite clear that I have been beaten in our cage match here. That then then I, I tap the studio mic, and that means tapping out. So yeah, it's very much a wrestling term. <laughs> Let me tell you, Gino. Yes, exactly. I put the claw You on have a no machine, idea what you know. happens in here okay. during break. It's not okay.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna take back the show. <laughs> um, um, so you and I have read a number of things because I like to send you articles during the week that I really just, I just want to keep them and hold them until I get to talk with you about it. Um, I'd never heard about a curse tablet, but as soon as I read about it, I thought Peter Capstone, <laughs> let's get Peter to talk about, um, what archeologists have not only found, but now identified, apparently a curse tablet that invokes the name of Yahweh and sort of brings up the conversation again, um or shines a light on the conversation about just how old the Old Testament writings really are.
1: Yeah, I love this story. I mean, the, the cursing part is a bit disturbing, other than the fact that I do think it faithfully represents Scripture and and how we understand things going on in the Old Testament. It was actually found on a mountain that was known to be a mountain of cursing in Israel, and so there is a real consistency there as well. But that age that you're talking about, and, and I think the reliability of scripture is really um, something that we could underline here from this story. And and what I mean by that is that scripture has very much been under attack by academic institutions over these last maybe 20 to 25 years or so, even a little bit longer, saying, you know what? The scriptures are not reliable. They were just made up. Uh, We can't really trust uh, the transmission process in terms of one generation to the next. And so when we find these old tablets like this, And you see that on these tablets that are dated to maybe somewhere between 150 to 300 B.C., that the words on the tablets faithfully represent our scriptures today. We're seeing this over and over again. And so you you and I could certainly have a conversation about curses and blessings, but I think the first part of this is just to recognize the idea that the more we discover archaeologically as we as we dig through some of the ancient sites in Israel, the more that the scripture just continues to be affirmed over and over again. And, and it reveals what happens in academic institutions so often, which is people generally speaking, Carmen. I mean, this is maybe a little overly simplistic, but uh, there, there's such uh, a push to get tenured. And the way you get tenured or have job safety is that you do research, allegedly, and then you publish your research, whether in an in article, in a journal, or a book, or something like that. And your research has to be different than any other research that's ever been done. And if it is, and it's well-received, then you get tenure. But what happens in that is people bend evidence left, right, and center in order for their research to not just simply affirm what we've already known. They've got to make up something new. And and it's part of why we've seen the scriptures under attack, because they're making up new ideas about them. It's part of why we've seen sexuality change so much, is because academic institutions are making up new ideas that simply just don't hold true relative to history. So I love this story, just in how it supports the reliability of scripture and why it really is God's word.
0: Not that these other two storylines are at all related, but um, when you talk about things that we know because of what people have dug up like right the the how archaeology does bear positive public witness to the past and the things that we can learn about the past um i just i think those are good conversations for us to consider and mull over and you know are are they going to find evidence of uh of biblical sites and biblical truths. I mean, yes, that continues to happen over the course of time. Um one thing they are never going to find will be the body of Jesus. Like that's I think a, an interesting and important conversation to have um and to know about. So, if you're listening right now and you've never watched the movie Risen, this no. came to mind. Great this came movie. to mind as I was thinking about this, right? Like you can you can search all you want. Uh in fact, they probably did. I feel confident they did. You're not going to find the body of Jesus. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Um, and that is not only the promise of scripture but the reality of the truth in which we live and move and find our being we 're talking with dr Peter capster we 're going to um, jump topics here, and when we come back we 're going to talk about uh, a piece but um, well, it's a piece in the New York Times, but it's really it 's a book called God, Grades, and Graduation by Alana Horwitz, and it's been reviewed in a number of places. She followed the lives of 3,290 teenagers, and she learned a lot about religion and education. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner, we talk about a range of topics trying to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of our day. And so I have been um, following along as many, many um, commentators in the culture have been frankly disturbed um, by the findings of a research project that then Dr. Elena Horwitz aggregated material from and commented on. Her book is God, Grades, and Graduation, The piece in the New York Times, Is I followed the lives of 3,290 teenagers. This is what I learned about religion and education. Um, Peter, give us the, uh, give us sort of the over and the under on what she's, the (laughs) observations she's making.
1: Well, and I loved what you said too, is that uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of momentum to really get this information out because it's so counter to our current narrative in, in which we live. And what she found was that to the extent that young people, have a healthy family situation and a, a typically a nuclear family as well as even uh, more importantly than that is, is a healthy religious environment in which they find themselves and specifically a Christian environment, they tend to do much better in the educational system and, and it's not close. Like their ability to, to navigate educational life all the way through their college degree even was a direct result of stability at home and a story in which they were living that was bigger than themselves. And so the nuclear family represents a stability of shepherding in the home, and then the religious institution, the the Christian institution, represents a bigger story in which they find themselves. And those two things just take so much anxiety and turmoil out of play for young people so that they can actually concentrate on the educational journey, and and they're not having to navigate so many other things. I mean, Carmen... I talk about it all the time, obviously here on air. We talk about it in my class all the time. Uh, the mental health crisis that we all feared was coming is now officially here. I mean, my young people, it's almost 30 out of 30. And when they talk about what their lives are like outside of my classroom, I, I just, I'm just i just dumbfounded that they even have time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to, or, or intellectual bandwidth to deal with the subjects of my classroom. And and so to have that stability at home and to have a, a story bigger than yourself that's holding your journey, just uh, there's such a piece in that for young people so that they, they can succeed much better educationally. It's a really good article.
0: Yeah, so I'm, um, I'm going to have more on this in the future, I promise. But I just I really today wanted to tee up just this positive I mean, this is research that that is done by academicians. It's not, you know, it wasn't designed to find that boys who grow up in religious households, um, that that's the primary indicator of whether or not they're going to be successful in secondary education, primary, secondary, secondary education and then higher ed. Like, that's it. That's the primary indicator. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It is.
1: It, it is. I, 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 I to, to be able to, I mean, there's so many things we we look and say, how do we help? How do we help? How do we help? Right. Like that. Raise
0: your kid in church.
1: That's there it's you go. exactly. It's that, so interesting, it's, isn't it. it?
0: As hard as it is, as yep. hard as that's going to be to do. The best thing you can do for your kid is raise them in church.
1: It, it's so true. And I was I, thinking about that in the way in, Carmen. And, and churches even have an invitation to maybe start evolving their own reason for gathering. I mean, we've lived in 30 years of what's been called an attractional model of church, which is primarily that we try to create a worship service on a Sunday morning that's going to bring as many people into the church as possible for that hour. And, and that has had its upsides and its downsides on a number of levels. But churches looking at this research... Could begin to develop different kinds of models that really support the the families and the and the growth of these young people more than just an hour on a sunday because there is exactly. a direct re, you know reflection one to the other
0: okay i just have a term for you to define for us we're not going to talk at length about this solo polyamory
1: oh boy right this is somebody who uh polyamory is that you're in a committed relationship with one person but then there's other people that would uh, be part of that i suppose relationship on some level. This is what Will and, and Jada Pinka Smith uh, were, would be practicing. But solo polyamory is somebody who isn't really committed to anyone and the people that they're with are also just fine with basically having multiple uh, engagements sexually with a lot of different people. And, and it's, boy, it's even if people didn't name it, I think it's becoming increasingly common. But but this again, Carmen, we just talked about this in my class on uh, on Tuesday in my sexuality class, that the research shows that the more people that you try to bond yourself with or or enter into sexual union with, the more disassociated you become, meaning that it becomes almost impossible because you're existing in so many of these different covenants to really have any meaningful relationships of any kind. Now, I'm not just talking about sexual ones. I'm talking about relational ones, friendship ones. You, you um, It really just confuses the the soul and the mind and the body so much. And this is psychological research. This isn't religious research that basically says... The more that you practice this way of life, the less able you are to actually engage relationally across the board. And, and I think there's a lot of men specifically who are quite disassociated these days because of the, the vicarious nature of porn. And what that's done with sexuality is that, again, research shows that the more you engage in these vicarious or actual forms uh, of sexual union outside of the covenant relationship, the less able you are to actually be in a relationship with people. And now we're back to the mental health crisis thing again, where we're not part of a group and a family and a community and all of that. These are humongous topics that we need to deal with.
0: Mm -hmm. Humongous topics is right. Um, All right. We have a lot of people asking uh, more about the conversation we were having uh, just a minute ago about the um, youth and religion research. The book is God, Grades, and Graduation. And so if you just type that into your search engine, you're going to find all kinds of articles. The New York Times article is going to be behind a paywall for most of you. But there, um, there are lots of other Um, pieces out there on this same thing because Alana Horowitz Horowitz is, you know, sort of making the rounds of secular media. Um, And so it's an opportunity for uh, you to hear what other people are saying about the same thing. Um, But religion, school and success uh, is the combo here. And God, Grades, and Graduation uh, is the book. So if you Google that, you're going to find um, resources on that topic. Peter, we're going to have to leave it it right there. We don't have time to talk about what's going on in a Massachusetts high school where in a biology class, they are actually uh, teaching very radical gender ideology as fact.
1: Mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. stunning isn't it and you know and Carmen maybe uh at, you know, at the top of the next hour we'll just hang out together and do sort of our own show that doesn't we have so much to talk about right we could just keep going a... for hours yes, at this point indeed
0: leftovers <laughs> I envision it as just leftovers <laughs> all right it. uh hey have a great day Peter thank you as always that's Dr. Peter Kapsner he hosts this show when I am not able to do so and for him I am so very grateful hey you're listening to Mornings with Carmen I am Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio Calling this the mornings with Carmen learning community. The research department has been on it, and apparently paywalls don't matter if you have a public library account. You log on to your public library account. This is um, this is from Jacqueline and from Jill. Mary has also uh, alerted me of the same thing here. Log on to your library account, and then you're able to access the library's subscribed content. And many public libraries provide access to a collection of newspapers and magazines along with books and materials and databases. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? All right. Well, apparently a lot of you knew and I didn't know. So there you go. Um, In today's game of who knew, you knew and I didn't know. Apparently to get around paywalls, uh, get a public library account and log on through your public library account to um, access the resources that would otherwise be behind a paywall. That is so super cool. I, I, I feel like it's like, some of the most incredible learning I've done lately. So thank you for that. Um, Ukraine. Ukraine is top of heart, top of mind, top of the prayer list, top of concern um, for so many of us. And so we want to continue to bring you people who are actively engaged in ministry in Ukraine, with Ukrainians, on behalf of Ukrainian refugees. And so today... We are going to introduce uh, you to the Shepherds Foundation, shepherdsfoundation.org. dot um, Marshall Wade, who is um, who's actually a physician, a doctor um, in uh, in in Maplewood. Um, he's been in private practice there for a number of years. He's been teaching dental groups um, across Ukraine um, how to do some things that obviously he knows how to do and sharing those skills abroad. He's also engaged in a ministry related to orphans. Um, He is the chairman of the board of the Shepherds Foundation, and he is going to join us along with Vitaly Sobko, who is in Ukraine, um, and we are going to talk about what is going on. So all of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Marshall Wade um, is a, an oral surgeon. Um, he's taught dental groups across the country and in Ukraine. He is the director of True North Professional Studies, um, which is a continuing education group for dentists and dental specialists. He joins us today in his capacity as chairman of the board of Shepherds Foundation, through which he has served to advance the gospel in Ukraine through dental surgery and care missions and served orphans in Ukraine in some very special ways as well. Also joining us, Vitaly Sobko, executive director of shepherds foundation in ukraine and camp maximum gentlemen welcome to mornings with carmen
2: good morning good morning
0: good. well vitaly good afternoon um it's probably the middle of the afternoon where you are correct
3: yeah that's uh 3:30 p.m. in ukraine
0: could you give us a sense vitaly of um of what's happening today in your life
3: um well, it's, it seems like one long day that never ends. Um, we, we have good spirit. We're tired. Um, e- right now, everyone is trying to do whatever they can to support uh, each other and support our uh, military. We're defending the nation. Um, so it's a, a lot of people being evacuated uh, from the war zone uh, to the west and uh, a lot about finding humanitarian aid that we can purchase or get and uh, sending them back to the people who are uh, captured in the basements. So, uh, in short, that's pretty much what's going on at at the moment.
0: Well, please know that we're not only praying for you, we are actively seeking to support support those efforts to fund organizations like yours that are then delivering humanitarian aid back into places and spaces where people are trapped, um, as well as all of the things that you all are doing to get vulnerable people, including children, out of the country. So, Marshall, I'm wondering if you can address, if you can address that. What do you feel like we need to know um, about people who are leaving Ukraine and the challenges, um, particularly of, of children, orphans, and those who are disabled um, today?
2: I think, Carmen, the biggest thing that we as Americans need to process is we it's it's very hard to understand right now what what they're going through in Ukraine. Uh, We can watch uh, the reports on TV and we get some uh, sense of what's happening, but we're still so far away from it. Uh, In my discussions with Vitaly, and and he can certainly chime in as well. the the devastation, the hopelessness of the people that have lost everything, the trauma to the the children uh, who should just be in in school uh, but are having to face uh, going to bomb shelters and and concern for their lives and their parents' lives, the the overall trauma that the that the people are undergoing, I think, is is going to last for generations and at least in the united states where uh things are good and we go to our jobs and and we have plenty of food it, 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 intellectually i think we can appreciate that but i think even more and more we need to to let that hit our hearts
0: mm-hmm. yeah Vitaly, um tell us a story because you have um i know colleagues friends members of your own family T- tell us um tell us a story about you know some efforts that you're aware of maybe to evacuate um children or um or things happening today through your ministry to supply for the needs of those who as you describe are hiding in basements or um or hiding in um in in the underground uh train depots across the country
3: yeah yeah well you know there are so many stories that we can share both the horror stories and the joy stories um yeah some something as of recent we had the uh, a family being evacuated out of Kharkiv, and uh, that's a family uh, with a grandpa who, who had a stroke before the war started. He's like 80, 84, 85 years old. He's a recognized economist of Ukraine, awarded the National Award um,
0: All right. Um, I think we momentarily lost uh, the connection with Vitaly. Um, we're talking with, uh, with Dr. Wade Marshall, uh, Marshall Wade, um, and we are talking with Vitaly Sobko. We'll work to reconnect with him. Um, uh, Wade, maybe you can pick up, um, Dr. Wade, maybe you can pick up where Vitaly uh, dropped off and, you know, just the stories that, are, uh, that you're aware of um, in terms of evacuation of precious people.
2: Sure. Cool. Absolutely um i think one of the things that Vitaly was going to talk about is the fact that we have uh evacuated many people with various disabilities uh if as you can imagine it's it's bad enough to be in a combat zone uh when you're of good health but imagine being a, a cerebral palsy child in a wheelchair or as he was talking about a uh an elderly gentleman who's had a stroke um I know that our drivers, uh, and I do believe that, that this is uh, at least a similar story in Kharkiv, uh, actually went up several flights of stairs to uh, bring down various disabled people, um, special needs kids, uh, just to get them into the evacuation vehicles, uh, and of course all of this um under under concern of uh sniper fire and and artillery bombings and and uh, all those kinds of different things. The the drivers that are going into these areas are absolutely courageous.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I
0: think we have the tally back. Yeah, you're back. Yeah. Welcome back.
3: Excellent. Sorry, the the internet connection you're fine. Is, uh Sporadic. Yeah, so um, one one of the uh, stories I can think of is when I received a call from uh, one of our friends who was asking for a director of a special institution uh, for mentally disabled uh, children. So that was out of Jetomer, which is uh, near Kiev, uh, about an hour drive. And so director with just a couple of social workers were trapped in their school, with about 70 kids who couldn't care about themselves and needed evacuation. And uh, the uh, the city was shelled at that moment. And uh, it took us all a lot of effort to just arrange transportation for them uh, and just find volunteers who were able to take those people out and it's just it's just one of the examples of what's going on and how all of us have to react just to make sure that we bring people to to safety and when we get to the Western border, it's, it's another difficulty, especially for people with disabilities, uh, because they need specialized care. They cannot go through the sorting centers, uh, like the Red Cross stands. Uh, and uh, they can, but uh, ideally, we, we work hard to make sure that there is someone on the European side uh, who is going to provide individual care and take them to a specialized institution providing medical support they need. Um, so, yeah, Vitaly, we, um, I want.
0: Yeah. So, can can I pause you there? Because there's a reason that you're so good at this, and your organization is so good at this. Um, these are children and families with whom you are already connected. Tell us um, about Camp Maximum and what you would be doing right now in preparation for summer camps, um, where there's not a war in Ukraine.
3: Well, uh, thank you for asking about that. You know, as uh, as I was thinking about our camp uh, and reading the Bible last night, uh, I read Proverbs 19.21, and it, it says many other plans in a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And uh, we never expected the war to happen. And we were uh, just finished our fundraiser campaign to build a new dining and uh, kitchen facility for our camp. We were all tuned in to do summer programs, international basketball camps, uh, special needs programs, and other youth programs for kids from all over Ukraine. Um, And uh, as a camp, uh, we're just uh, six years old. We started building a Christian camp from scratch in central Ukraine, just two hours south of Kiev. Um, And the roots come out of the Shepherds Foundation ministry in Ukraine that dates back 30 years ago uh, when um, the first groups of um, missionaries uh, arrived in Ukraine, Paul and Linda Wickland. Uh, Marshall Wade and their team over the years continued to support Ukraine in different uh, humanitarian aid missions, uh, adventure camps, uh, dental work, orphanages there were like so many so many projects that were realised. And me personally, I'm a kid that uh, was raised on this mission work. Back when the first trips happened, I was just seven years old. And I remember when Ukraine was a young nation, uh, we got independent in 1991. The first adventure camp happened in 1993, and I was seven back then. And as you can imagine, for a young nation, uh, we were really poor uh, and just starting So those were the brightest memories of my life that I still cherish. And now, uh, looking at where we are, as a camp, we we completely changed what we do. Uh, We had 126 beds. We now are fit to host uh, up to 200 refugees in transit from the eastern and northern areas that are most affected by war and child every day. Uh, to help people transit to the West into safety. We feed them. Uh, we uh, we provide um, them with clothing, with hygiene essentials, with Medicare. We just uh, have uh, our team available to play with the kids and distract them for what's going on, uh, what just recently happened in their lives. So our People do English with them. Uh, we connected them to online uh teaching and so on, and we can really tell that they are hurting. yeah, you know they arrive in the middle of the night, the hands are shaking, they are staring into the walls, uh trying to figure out what the next step shall be and so for now, our camp is that safe place, and we we try to maximize the care and attention to very little details to make sure that they are in comfort and they find uh, themselves uh uh, get uh, get uh, revived and are ready to make the next step into uncertainty. Many of these people come uh, with their homes lost, so uh, frankly, they s- sit there and they're trying to find help uh, because, well, their home was just destroyed, and it's an, it's a new normal for them, and they try mm-hmm. to they need to figure out where to go next.
0: We're talking with Vitali Sobko. You can connect with him at maximum dot camp. We're also talking with Marshall Wade. They are both uh, associated and affiliated with ShepherdsFoundation.org, O-R-G, ShepherdsFoundation.org. Um, Vitali and uh, Camp Maximum are now sheltering internally displaced people in Ukraine. Um, Shepherds Foundation is also ministering to refugees, particularly children with special needs. Um, who have been evacuated from Ukraine, and they've been a part of that process and ongoing effort to serve them as refugees outside the country. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Leburge, and this is Faith Radio. We are um, spending time today with Dr. Marshall Wade and with Vitaly Sobko, they are with an organization called Shepherds Foundation. You can find them at shepherdsfoundation.org. Lots of news articles there about um, their efforts in Ukraine. Um, Marshall, I'm wondering if you can just spend a minute telling us um, why you are engaged in Ukraine um, and, and where your heart is in all of this today.
2: Oh, well, thanks for asking. Um, Uh, As Vitaly was saying, uh, uh, our first camps uh, opened in about 1993, and my first trip to Ukraine was in 1994, and it was a very direct, um, uh, quote, God thing that we'll say. Uh, I was uh, sitting in church and listening to uh, wonderful uh, Ukrainian evangelist, Victor Bernitsky, speak about the needs of this new nation And uh, I'd been thinking about uh, going to some mission field. And so I just sat there praying and I said, Lord, if you want me to go there, then you need to break my heart so completely that um, I actually have no question. And that's what happened. I just really started to weep sitting there in the front row of the church, which was pretty embarrassing. Uh, But it was very clear to me that God wanted me to go to uh, Ukraine. Uh, Once I, I got there, I found that those people... Um, are just the same as we are, uh, they want to have a, a good life for themselves and a better life for their children and as an oral surgeon, uh, there were many dental needs uh, that we we could meet uh, in conjunction working with our our colleagues in ukraine so uh, over all of those years, uh, we just developed these deep and lasting friendships and uh, it 's really just uh, my my second country, I guess you 'd say
0: mm. Um and talk with us about the fellowship of Christians, you know over i mean I, we we tend to use language like these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, but for you that 's a reality,
2: yeah, for sure um, <clears throat> gosh how 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 would we even describe that in the twin cities carmen how uh, how would we describe our friends um, that are in various churches, solid Christian people who are devoting their lives to Christ. Well, it's the same thing in in uh, Zolotonosha, Ukraine is is where we go, and uh, the exciting thing has been that when we first went, there was one Baptist church, and uh, it was our sister church from uh, what was then uh, Calvary Baptist, now just Calvary Church in Roseville. Uh, but now Vitali could actually answer. I think there's at least five very strong. Um, Evangelical churches uh, in this uh, town of Zolotonosha, which is thirty thousand people, so that brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ is is really just the same as it as it is uh, on our side of the ocean. Um, people who who and even more so now are serving Christ in the very best way they know how, day after day, and ministering to those people around
0: them. I just love it. It's such a um, powerful uh, witness and I just feel so privileged um, to to be talking with both of you today um, Vitali, I would like for you to um, pray in um, in your heart language for the situation where you are. Um, we will acknowledge that God is translating those prayers um, by the power of his holy Spirit um, but I um, I want you to pray and then I would like to pray for you um, and and what is happening today would that be okay?
3: Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so this is uh, Vitaly Sobko, and um, we're gonna we're gonna listen in as he lifts up the concerns of his family, and his community, his people, and his nation before the Lord our God.
3: Yeah. Uh, can I do that in Ukrainian or? Uh,
0: please, can I please, do this? Yeah. yeah, please Thank in Ukrainian, you. please.
4: Uh, Боже наш, ти милостивий, ти люблячий Бог, який турбується про Україну. Я вдячний за цю можливість розповідати народу Америки про те, що ми переживаємо, чим ми стикаємось. Зараз я молюсь за нашу країну, за наше керівництво, за нашого президента, за людей, за владу. За кожну родину, яка стикнулася з цим злом, Молю за перемогу». Пошли нам мир в нашу країну, допоможи відновити її в наших кордонах. Пошли нам впевненість в майбутньому, в тому, що ми можемо з гордістю жити в Україні, щоб нам не потрібно було нікуди їхати, щоб ми могли будувати наше майбутнє з тобою тут, Господь. Щоб ми могли бути тим... Tím світлом твій силі Господь для інших народів з нашої землі. Я вдячний тобі за за все, що ми маємо, вдячний за ту міжнародну підтримку, Господь, і прошу, пройшли нам перемогу пошли нам мир, Господь, і зупини агресора. Father God,
0: Father God, we thank you so much um, for our brother Vitali. we thank you for his family, we thank you for um, the ministry uh, happening right now with precious people on the campus of what was a camp and has now become a home. And we simply ask, Father, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, all the resources that are necessary for the accomplishing of your will in and through them this day. We ask for your comfort. We ask for your grace. We recognize it's all sufficient. But, Father, these are precious people with very real needs. And so prick the hearts of those listening right now to bring forth the resources within our reach that we might supply for the needs of others. Help us learn, Father, to live more simply that other people might simply live today. Thank you so much for um, Dr. Wade and for the ministry um, of the Shepherds Foundation. We ask a blessing upon them, Father. And we ask that you would open to all of us a vision of the future filled with hope that you have planned. We we set ourselves as instruments in your hands But, Father, we ask for a fresh outpouring of your grace this day on the people of Ukraine. Um, Grant peace, Father. Grant peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Vitaly and Marshall, thank you. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to direct people again uh, to the Shepherds Foundation. Shepherds Foundation. If you're like me, you also want to check out Camp Maximum, and Google will supply you a way to um, translate everything on the site into English. So if it comes up in Ukrainian, which it will, um, just hit that little Google Translate button, and you can uh, can read the stories there as well. Um, Marshall and and Vitaly, thank you so much. What a blessing.
2: Thank Thank you, Carmen.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, all right, friends, we got to take one more brief break, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Like... Amen. Amen. Okay, apparently sometimes I use words that um, that require translation. So thank you to Donald who texted in, hey, um, you keep using the word fodder. I had to look it up. I'm a city slicker. Um, yeah, fodder is just something to chew on. It's something you give animals to chew on, on the farm. And so um, when I talk about fodder for uh, thought or fodder for conversation, I'm literally giving us something to think about and to chew on. So there you go. Hopefully um, we have provided that today. Positive, faithful uh, fodder for your conversations today, your prayer life. Um, That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here every single day. Thank you for helping make it happen. Have a great day and God bless.